2: plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
1: welcome to special edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories
3: Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. This week, we're going to find out what's happening at Tracy's Hope and Hospice, and we're also going to hear about some events coming back that you'll want to mark on your calendar right now. We'll also learn where to turn if we're looking for suggestions on where to go for health care. This weekend, it was time to spring ahead, and what does that do to your sleep? We'll find out. Starting us off today on special edition March is National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Dr. Samir Shaw is the president of the American College of Gastroenterology and he tells us about how the early onset of colorectal cancer is now being diagnosed in more patients under the age of 50. What can be done? Dr. Shaw, welcome. It is March, and it is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And now is the time that people need to start hearing about, because it's something we never really talk about, is it? It's kind of embarrassing sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things we have is we don't want you to die of embarrassment. So it's so important to reach out to your um primary care provider to your local gastrologist and see if you're eligible for colon cancer screening and there's been some important updates and the key message is 45 is the new 50 so if you're 45 years old and older you need to get your colon cancer screening done and the most effective way is colonoscopy but the best way is whatever gets done we have a menu of options to choose from now
3: well, let's start with 45 being the new 50. Why does that seem that that has gotten lower now? The age has come down.
2: Yeah, great
1: question. And recent data has shown that that. Um uh, p- patients who are 45 and older um, from 45 to 50 have the same risk uh, as people 50 and older had, you know, 20 years ago. So, based on that data, um, several organizations, including the American College of Gastroenterology and the Multi Society Task Force, all recommended uh, to decrease the age to 45 to start screening. The other important thing is we're starting to see more people with cancer and more aggressive cancer at a younger age. The the increase in cancer we've seen in ages 20 to, to 40 has been remarkable. On the flip side, we've seen a decrease in colon cancer in people over 50, largely as a result of the screening programs that have been in place.
3: When a person does go for screening, because as I said, this is not something that people normally talk about. It's usually one of those things that you have to get done, but I'm not going to tell anybody where I'm going or what I'm going for. So what is it that you're looking for, especially in these younger patients when they go in for a screening?
1: Yeah, so if, if there is screening in asymptomatics so 45 and older, but the message for people younger than that is if you have a family history, so if you have someone in your family who had colon cancer, particularly at a younger age, you need to get screened. Uh, 10 years before, if you have any symptoms, so uh, rectal bleeding should not be ignored. A lot of times people uh, say, oh, it's probably just a hemorrhoid. And although it might be hemorrhoid, it may be something more concerning. So it's so important not to ignore symptoms and to discuss with your healthcare provider and uh, get get those symptoms checked out. So a change in bowel habits, unexplained weight loss, uh, bleeding, things like that uh, should prompt uh, evaluation.
3: One of the things we hear is a polyp. What's a polyp?
1: So a polyp is a growth in the colon and the the cells in the colon turn over every four to five days. So over many years, those cells have the opportunity to get mutations and those mutations can allow those cells to grow in an uncontrolled fashion and form a polyp. So over many years, the polyp can grow larger and eventually turn into colon cancer. Because it takes many years for the polyp to grow and turn into colon cancer, colonoscopy is so effective in preventing colon cancer because if we can see the polyp and find it and remove it, we prevent colon cancer.
3: So we've noticed that the age is coming down, that younger people need to be screened. Is there a reason? Is it a change in diet? Is it habits? Is it where's that coming from, Dr. Shaw?
1: The short answer is we don't know. There's a lot of research looking into this and so people are interested in looking at whether uh, things related to our diet, is it the more processed foods and um, uh, things that are being put in, in, in into foods? Uh, is it obesity? Is it smoking? Um, so, there are a lot of potential factors that are being looked at but we don't know for sure. We do know that a that, um, uh, healthier diet and exercise decrease colon cancer risk, not smoking decreases colon cancer risk. And Most importantly, you know, making sure you go for your appropriate screening.
3: People who may have had other types of bowel problems, uh, sometimes people are diagnosed with colitis, proctitis, uh, different things like that. Can that be a precursor or is that just something that's totally separate?
1: No, that's a great question. So patients with inflammatory bowel disease, which encompasses both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, if they have significant involvement in their colon, that inflammation in the colon can lead to a higher risk of colon cancer. So our guidelines are after eight years of disease, if they've had a significant involvement of their colon with their inflammatory bowel disease, they should start getting screening colonoscopies right then and there. So, so if they were diagnosed, for example, at age 20 with ulcerative colitis, at age 28, they would start to get their screening colonoscopies because because of the higher risk.
3: Let's talk a little bit about some of the other ways of going through the screenings. As you mentioned in the beginning, it's the uh, one that we all know that we drink the, what we used to call the goop, which isn't as goopy anymore, actually. And then we go through all that process, but there are others and it's taking us out of going in for uh, a patient visit. We're able to do it at home. How do they work?
1: Yeah, so uh, to briefly review colonoscopy, as you mentioned, uh, the day before patients typically take a prep to clean their colon of, of stool. And uh, these days there are a variety of uh, prep options. And we usually do what we call split dose preps, where they take half the prep the day before, half the prep the morning of. And that's so the, the preps work better that way. And then we look with a colonoscope. If we see a polyp, we remove it. And patients have different options for sedation um, uh, with uh, propofol, where they're sleeping. Being with moderate sedation where they're kind of in a twilight and some patients, believe it or not, actually choose to do it without sedation and they do fine. Um, and then in terms of the two-step screening we call it, we call it two-step because the initial screen is just to see if you should go ahead and have the colonoscopy if you don't want to start with a colonoscopy. So one is a FIT test which tests for blood in the stool. The other that people see advertised on TV a lot is ColoGuard and ColoGuard, they, they ship you a box and you uh, uh, put your stool sample in, in that and you say, send it away and get, it gets tested for a variety of DNA changes that can be seen in uh, cancer and in polyps. And if it's positive, then the next step is colonoscopy. Other options include uh, the sigmoidoscopy, which is uh, kind of a short version of the colonoscopy where you see part of your colon. And that's kind of fallen by the wayside because it's it's incomplete, but it's certainly better than nothing. And then there's also CT calligraphy where you do a prep, but instead of going for a colonoscopy, you get a CAT scan, and they're able to reconstruct images of your colon. If they see a polyp on the CAT scan, then you have to go back for a colonoscopy.
3: So you know, I'm the big proponent of do it with the prep, do it everything, and you get a nice nap. That's one of my favorite things, <laughs> if there is a favorite thing about a colonoscopy. And again, when, yeah. we're, when we're talking about such things, it, Dr. Shaw, is it important in order to talk to your doctor? Because again, some of the um, since the guidelines are going down, there's also been a lengthening in between suggested colonoscopies. So, what do you do in that instance, especially if you're concerned?
1: Yeah, I think the best thing is to talk to your doctor about you know why you're concerned. And you're absolutely right. So when you go for the colonoscopy, if the uh, provider got a good look and got a, a good evaluation, your colon didn't find any polyps or found uh, just one or two polyps, the current interval with no polyps is ten years in between. And then if you found uh, you know, one or two small polyps, it's seven years. And if there's three or more polyps, then it's uh, uh, three to five years. So. And this is based on a lot of data that we've accumulated, and, and, and so it's nice that we can reassure people that, that, that the intervals are safe. Obviously, if somebody develops symptoms in between, let's say you had your colonoscopy seven, eight years ago, and now you're having new rectal bleeding, that should be evaluated. You shouldn't wait the full 10
4: years.
3: And you also mentioned hemorrhoids in the beginning of our discussion, and sometimes things like that can mask symptoms, as you said. So, again, what do you want to leave our listeners with, Dr. Shaw, as far as wrapping this all up into a nutshell and the things that we should know, the things that we should do?
1: the big message is don't ignore your symptoms and and so we hear this story a lot where patients uh, had rectal bleeding and said oh well, I just didn't do anything about it because I assumed it was hemorrhoids and and unfortunately some of those patients uh, had polyps or cancer that that uh, grew um, and were harder to treat once they were finally diagnosed. So it's really important not to ignore symptoms and to discuss them with your healthcare provider and go for the appropriate uh, testing. It should really never be ignored. And then, then the other thing is 45 is in new and, 50 and to choose the right screening option uh, that's good for you. So the best screening test is the one that gets done. You and I are both fans of colonoscopy, I agree. It's a, it's a nice nap and when my patients wake up, a lot of them are like, are you, when are you gonna start and we tell them, you're, you're done and they, they don't believe it.
3: Exactly. I, that's, that's one of my favorite things. I looked at the clock one time and said, it's seven o'clock. And the next time I said to the doctor when he came in, what time is it? He said, 720. I said, you didn't take me yet. He said, no, you're done. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so it can't, it can't get any easier than that. Dr. Shaw, I'll give you the last word. What do you want to let everybody know?
1: Make sure you talk to your doctor about colon cancer screening, and uh, not only uh, for yourself, but talk to your family about it. It's so important that you, you and your loved ones are around, and we have great opportunities to prevent colon cancer across the entire country.
3: Thanks to Dr. Samir Shah, president of the American College of Gastroenterology, for joining us. This weekend, it was time to spring ahead. Daylight Saving Time is back. Earlier this week, a House Energy Subcommittee discussed what to do about it. Some say they want to get rid of it because it can have negative effect on America's health. Others say it helps us get better quality sleep. Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress is here to talk about sleep. Dawn Webster, back with us once again. You always have so much good information. And this time I hope you won't be upset, but I'm going to kind of take a nap during this one because (laughs) there's never enough sleep, Dawn. What do we do about that? Oh, well,
0: I agree. It is tough. It's tough to squeeze it all in. There's just not enough hours in the day. But we do have to remember that getting enough sleep is something that you need for good overall health. So, I mean, we really need to start focusing more on it.
3: All right. How?
0: So, according to the National Sleep Foundation, the amount of sleep recommended depends on your age. So, recommended for healthy adults between 1860, about seven hours a night, sometimes eight, depending on the type of person you are. And then an hour or two more for those older than 65. And then kids are going to need more than seven to eight hours also.
3: Now, do you, let's start out with the adults because, again, you said between 18 and 60, you should get seven or more hours a night. Now, there are some people I know who are hearing you say that and saying, "Ah, right, doesn't happen in my world. So what are some of the things maybe we can do about it? There are many
0: habits you can get into that are going to help improve your sleep. So one of the most important ones, and this is something I'm very guilty of myself, is being on your phone at night. So getting into bed, getting comfy, and scrolling on your phone, looking at your email, looking at social media, those are things that are going to get your mind going and actually make it harder for you to fall asleep. So the first thing you need to do is set up a routine. So if you want to be sleeping by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you need to start preparing for that sleep. So get get off social media, get off your phone, um. start dimming the lights don't do anything crazy active that's going to get your heart rate going before bed um, you know really just kind of start taking it easy if you have trouble relaxing then that's when you can start incorporating things like maybe drinking a cup of um, chamomile tea or sleepy time tea um, or even listening to a calming meditation so y- you want to start really kind of thinking about your sleep health and getting into a better routine to make sure that you're able to fall asleep when you need to.
3: Now, staying asleep, that's another problem that a lot of people have. They wake up early, they can't go back to sleep. So what's the suggestion there? Get up and go with it or stay in bed and try to go back to sleep?
0: So it depends. Um, It depends why you're having trouble staying asleep. So there's health conditions like restless leg syndrome, sleep apnea. Those are things that are going to wake you up in the middle of the night. So those are things you need to talk to your doctor about if, if you're having those issues. Now, if you just wake up and maybe it was because you heard a noise or, you know, your, your kid crawled up in bed with you, um, then it's best to just try to, you know, go right back to sleep. But if you wake up and, you know, you've remembered, oh, I forgot to do this or I forgot to, um, you know, get this ready for the next day. The best thing to do is to have a piece of paper and a pen beside your bed. Write it down just by writing down what you remember so that you ensure you remember it the next day is going to calm you down. It's going to make sure that or it's going to help ensure that you're able to fall back asleep. So it's a good idea If you're one of those types of people that wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I forgot to tell so-and-so this, or oh, I forgot to do this, then keep that paper and pen by your bed. Write it down. Try to fall back asleep.
3: All right. And does where you sleep also make a difference? Sure. So one of the things
0: that they tell us, especially now, um, is that you should not do any type of work in your bedroom. Um, But for some people, that's not feasible. And I'm one of them. I have my desk and I have my computer set up in my bedroom because that was the best spot for it in my house. So, you know, if you can avoid that, avoid that. If not, make it a habit. You know, when you're done with work for the day, shut off your computer. Physically turn it off. If it's a laptop, close it. Um, You know, you really need to, to kind of get away from it. Um, And if it's not feasible to not have it in your bedroom, then like I said, shut it off, turn it down, um, close your laptop.
3: Okay. And how about as far as having someone in the room with you who might be a little noisy?
0: (laughs) So if you have a partner that snores or an animal that snores that's sharing your bed with you, then, you know, there's multiple options. If it's an animal. I know we don't want to not let them sleep in our bed, but that's obviously an option. Um, Or you can get earplugs. I mean, if it's very important to you for your animal to sleep in bed with you, get earplugs. That'll help. Or if it's your partner and they're snoring, maybe they have an underlying sleep condition like sleep apnea, and maybe they need to see the doctor. So, you know, you don't have to go right into the sleeping in separate bedrooms, but worst case scenario, that's always an option also.
3: When we're talking about sleep, then again, there are certain things that we may need to talk to our doctor about. But what about taking naps during the day? Is that something that is a good thing if we're not getting enough sleep? Or is that also going to cause a problem when we're trying to sleep?
0: So most of the time, naps are actually counterproductive. So by taking that nap, during the day, you are going to give yourself more energy and it's going to be harder to fall asleep and stay asleep at night. So if at all possible, we really do want you to try to avoid those naps. And one of the things that that's recommended when you feel that, that tiredness where, you know, if you're sitting at your desk, you're, you're, you're literally nodding off is to get up and get some exercise, you know, walk, um, Even just do stretches, yoga, I mean, anything, just get up and get moving. That's the best way to combat that daytime fatigue. And essentially, by not taking a nap, you are going to make yourself more tired and it will be easier to fall asleep at night.
3: All right. So wrap it up all for our listeners in an eggshell there, Don, and let us know what we should do when it comes to sleeping in order to get the best Hopefully, that we possibly can.
0: So, adopting sleep healthy sleep habits is is the best thing to do to make sure you're getting enough sleep, which is going to help with your overall health and wellness. So, during the day, you want to make sure you're moving, staying physically active. At night, you want to make sure you're in a dark, comfortable, cool environment. You want to get rid of the phones at night. You want to close your laptop, shut off your computers. Um, Really get rid of screens completely in the bedroom if at all possible. And then you also want to make sure you develop that consistent routine. So you want to pick a time that you want to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. And at first it's going to be difficult, but by doing it day after day, it's going to get easier and eventually you will get into that healthy sleep routine.
3: Thanks again, Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress. And don't forget, it is daylight saving time this weekend, clocks ahead one hour. Next on Special Edition, where to find information to make informed healthcare choices. Welcome back to Special Edition. Finding the right doctors, hospitals, and care for you and your family is important. How does hospital quality factor into choosing a right doctor for you? What research can be done? Today, we're going to find out. Bert Kahn is the EVP and head of product at Healthgrades. He has the details on how you can make informed decisions when it comes to your health care. Well, let's start off by talking about local hospitals. And of course, we all have them throughout our area here in Northeast Pennsylvania. And... Sometimes we have to go to a certain hospital because of our insurance. So when we get there, how do we start making good choices about who we're going to see or where we're even going to go?
2: That's that's a, a really good question. You're absolutely right. One of the, you know, primary decisions, you know, jumping off points, I guess, for healthcare is does that physician take our insurance? Does that facility take our insurance? Ultimately, to your question about the hospital, it depends on the scenario, right? If you're going in there, you had to go to the hospital because there's was an emergency, right? You're in the emergency room. You really don't have much of a choice. You, know, you have you're kind of in the care of those physicians. But if you if you have a little bit of time to plan ahead, um, there's really a couple of things you should be thinking about when you're when you're picking a healthcare professional, and and um, there, there's there's really three, right? One is do I, am I compatible with that healthcare professional? The second is, do they have the relevant experience? And the third is, what's the quality of that hospital I'm going to? So if you think about compatibility, that, uh, that really means a couple of things. One is, do they communicate in a way that's going to work for me? Right? Sometimes, some doctors, you just want to get in there and get out. You want it to be on time. You want it to be efficient. Other times I want someone I can talk to and it's going to be a little bit of a partner with me and I'm willing to wait a little longer in the waiting room or in the because I know that that means they're talking to somebody else and they're going to talk to me a little bit longer and, and help me through. Um, likewise, sometimes the part of compatibility is, you know, will they email with me or do they have after hours appointments or weekend appointments? The second piece of it is relevant experience. And this is something that I think Some of us think, okay, if I'm going in for surgery, use your hospital example, um, and I need to get my knee replaced. Most people would know to pick an orthopedic surgeon versus a general surgeon. But what most people might not know is even within orthopedic surgeons, there's doctors who specialize in knees and there's doctors who specialize in shoulders. So if you're getting your knee done, you'd much rather get it done by somebody who does knees all the time rather than somebody who does shoulders. And then lastly, the third piece of it is, is hospital quality. And what most people don't understand um, or, or realize is that hospital quality can oftentimes have as big an impact on the outcome uh, and the net result as the physician themselves. And so you really want to look at all three of those things together when making your decision.
3: All right. So we have to go to the hospital and maybe or or maybe we're just picking a physician. And how do you find out about all the things that you just talked about word of mouth from people we know, or and sometimes how do we know because I might like and you might not like. So where do we go for all that?
2: So the place most people start, right, is a word of mouth from a friend or, your, or a referral from a physician. And from there, um, I would recommend you, know, you go online and, and try to find the information. At Healthgrades, we gather all that information together and put it in one place so that you can look at um, patient satisfaction, patient reviews to understand whether you're going to be compatible, see how other patients experience that position. You'll be able to look at their actual claims history to see whether they have relevant experience. And you'll be able to look at the quality of the hospital's so that you can decide whether they're practicing at a hospital is going to give you the best chance of a good outcome.
3: Tell our listeners about Healthgrades. Uh, give us the background and exactly how you go about getting that information.
2: So Healthgrades is the leading marketplace to find and connect with the right doctor, right hospital, and right care. Uh, we're the leading site online to, to do those things. In fact, half of all Americans who are going to go to the doctor this year at some point are going to use Healthgrades as part of that journey. To, to get that information, we, we work with multiple sources, um, with patients, with physicians, and with third parties and insurance companies and government sources to get the best and most accurate data on, on all dimensions, whether that be just you know phone number and address all the way through claims data, so that we can provide the most objective, uh, most comprehensive information we can on every or virtually every practicing physician in the United States.
3: How would someone find health
2: healthgrades com.
3: All right. So let's get back to the idea of picking someone then. So you find out that you, we go to health grades and we look and we see exactly, you know, a little bit about where we're going, who we're going to be dealing with. And let's just say that when we get to that point, maybe we're torn between two. So I know a lot of people still are in the mindset of, we never say anything against the doctor. So, you know, like how do we make that decision? Because it is, as you're saying, a very big decision, because once you're in surgery, you're in surgery.
2: Absolutely. And and I think your comfort, you need to be comfortable that you're going to get the best care. And, you know, ultimately, you're you're the one who deals with the outcome. And if you don't, if you're not 100 percent confident that this is the right position for you, for whatever reason, you should go get a second or third opinion and try to find. The person um and, and the hospital that's gonna be the, the right combination of, of exactly what you need. You know, personally if I'm going in for surgery, I don't particularly care how well I get along with the surgeon. I want somebody um, you know, who's gonna do the best job for me. But that's really different if I you know pediatrician, right, for your kids. You want someone that you can relate to. And so, um, but that's not true for everybody. If you're not comfortable, it's, it's totally okay to shop.
3: I was just going to say that as far as I'm concerned, bedside manner is one thing, but fix me. That's the main bottom line. Yeah, no. And it, and it, and it really does. Um, we have it, we have an
2: expression, right? Is your annual physical isn't brain surgery and you know, your needs are different and you know, we're all different as people and, and different health conditions require, a different level of expertise and and different different factors that go into it. Convenience matters a lot more for getting your semi-annual
3: dental cleaning than it does for cancer treatment. Exactly. And again, let's go back to the hospital aspect of it, because it's not just the doctors that make up the hospital. There are so many other different things. So does health grades also take a look at all of the other factors?
2: Absolutely. When we when we do uh, hospital ratings, we do it entirely based on on claims data. Reputation doesn't go into it. It's it's just the facts, and and we're looking at do the mortality rates are they are they lower than um, than expected, and are the complication rates lower than expected? In other words, are they doing a good job? And and like you alluded to the you know, a lot more goes into your care than just the physician. And it, it's kind of obvious when you stop to think about it, you know, the physician's only with you a very small percentage of the time when you're in in the hospital. And all those other people, all the other processes really add up to, to make a big difference. And that's why um, sometimes the hospital can make as big a difference, especially on things like infection, uh, than the physician themselves. So it's important
3: to, to really consider all of those factors. And, and the hospital is almost an independent just, decision from the physician themselves. How long has Healthgrades been doing this?
2: More than 20 years. We've been, uh, we've been rating hospitals for more than 20 years and we've been the leader online uh, for for more than uh, a dozen at this point.
3: So there is a a background because, again, sometimes people think, oh, well, what do you know? Because, you know, I've been in this area for so long and now you're coming in and and you're but you do have experience behind you and a lot of comparisons as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, tens of millions of consumers use our site every month. We have more than 10 million reviews. We have billions of pieces of data across over four million care providers in this country um we're we're doing our best to get the information out there so that so that consumers can make the most informed decisions for themselves and their families.
3: So, how can someone, if they go about utilizing a facility and go to your website, how can they make their comments known?
2: so if if you've been to a physician and you had a wonderful experience or you haven't had a great experience, you know, leave a review online. Every site has slightly different ways that they manage that, right? we'll We'll follow back up and and confirm that it is you. Right. And there are editorial standards that we all have to abide by, um, because it is healthcare, but let other people know. And it's, it's no different than, you know, going to Yelp and letting someone know about a restaurant, you're helping somebody else, you're paying it forward. And, and that can really make a difference in other people's lives.
3: Well, Bert, again, let our listeners know here in Northeast Pennsylvania, how people can find you at health grades.
2: Um, so again, uh, Come to www.healthgrades.com, and uh, you know our job is to help you find and connect with the right doctor, the right hospital, and the right care.
3: Once again, it was a pleasure speaking with Bert Can, EVP and Head of Product at Healthgrades. And if you would like to find out about how you can make informed decisions when it comes to your healthcare providers, log on to healthgrades.com. When Special Edition returns, we're going to find out about some of the events that are coming back after two years in hiatus. You'll want to have your calendar ready to mark them all down on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. It's so exciting to have many of the events which had to be canceled or postponed coming up once again live, such as this weekend's St. Patrick's Day parades. Next on Special Edition, we're going to be talking about just some of the events that are already being planned and tickets are already available for. We're going to be hearing from Denise Coomer. She is with Tracy's Hope and Hospice, and she has the details of two of their big fundraisers coming up. But we'll start off with Michelle Riley. Michelle is involved in many things, but she's here to tell us about three you won't want to miss, including... Getting back on the train, Nepa sings, and finally bringing back Jesus Christ superstar. The lady with all the hats is here, and her first hat that she's going to put on is—I don't know—did Judas wear a hat? Judas did not wear a hat, but <laughs> he's still a really cool dude. And he—and he's coming back. Well, you're coming back, right? Yes, you know, after the two-year hiatus with the pandemic with so many things, Jesus
5: Christ Superstar, all-female cast is coming back to the phoenix. Theater in Durier, April 8th, 9th, and 10th. It's a limited show this time, just those three dates, but, you know, we're very excited. We, we were at the theater practicing last night. It's all coming together nicely.
3: Well, I know a lot of people wanted to see it, myself included, because, again, it was here and it was gone, and then everything kind of disappeared, but now this is coming back, and again, tell us where and when, and just a, give us a little bit of a snippet about the performance itself.
5: Well, it is at the Phoenix Theater, Durier, Main Street. It's going to be the, pretty much the same cast as it was three years ago when we did this. Same Jesus, same uh, Mary Magdalene, same Judas, of course. And it's really mastered after if you anyone saw the John Legend uh, television version of Jesus Christ Superstar, it's very much like that. But it is a full play. Nothing is cut out. Uh, We have the licensing for Jesus Christ Superstar right now available. So we're just going to bring it back again this year. Uh, Lovely performance. You're going to just enjoy every minute of it. It's pretty cool.
3: All right. And Phoenix Theater, of course, has their own Facebook page. So if anybody would like information, they can find out there.
5: Right. You can certainly get tickets even there at the uh, box office, those three days. But if you want them advanced, just call their phone number uh, on the website and Facebook pages and you can get the tickets
3: ready for you, waiting for you when you get there. Okay, so now we're going to take off that hat and we're going to put on (laughs) another hat. And this one is also underway right now. I know you're we're one of the finalist judges for NEPA Sings and you're also a committee member. So that is already in process as well. Yes, yes. We
5: are bringing back the fifth annual NEPA Sings, um, showcasing local talent, local singers here in the area, which is great because they always just blow our minds. They're so, so wonderful. Um, And it is a fundraiser for CASA of Luzerne County. CASA, of course, is those court-appointed children advocates so very much needed right now with over 500 children in the foster care system here in Luzerne County alone. So NEPA SINGS is just kind of a fun way to make some uh,
3: extra money to keep this much needed organization going. All right. Now give us the breakdown of NEPA SINGS because again, there's part A, part B, and then of course, part C. So let's start them off. And what do you need now? So the first thing you're going to do, if you are age 16 years old
5: and over, is to apply for the auditions. The auditions this year will be in person. They're going to be at the Think Center on South Main Street in Wilkes-Barre on April 20. 20- Third, and then uh, if you make it to the top ten for the finals, the finals taping will be May nineteenth at the Think Center again, South Main Street, Wilkes-Barre. And then uh, to find out the winner, who the winner will be, come to our show date. The showing is going to be on June sixteenth at the Moonlight drive-in, which is just a lovely night with food trucks, live music, and then once the sun goes down and it gets dark out, we put the entire show on the big screen for you to see. Really fun for, for all. It's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, event. And so if you're looking how to uh, apply to be in the audition, if you go to org slash nepa Sings, you can register right there for the audition process. The deadline, by the way, is on April 15th. So you got to get it in before April 15th.
3: Okay. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be the next thing I asked. And that was (laughs) so it's kind of the same way that you set it up last year, except this year it's going to be in person, but you're keeping the big screen, which was really cool last year.
4: It was. We had such a
5: great, great turnout, and um, just for the community to get out and do something, you know, outside in the summertime is fun. But uh, sometimes, you know, you you might know one of the contestants, your family members, friends, whatever, just come and support them and uh, kind of check it out. It's very much mastered after uh, like an American Idol show. So if you need you want to watch the last two years on YouTube, Nepa sings on the YouTube. Um, you can certainly watch the full. Full shows from the last two
3: years and and kind of get an idea what it's all about. And we wanna make sure that our listeners who are hearing about this understand that when you do the actual the show part of it in May, they still don't know who wins (laughs) until it actually goes up in June. That is so correct. Yes. Yes. We have our finals again. We take the finals on May 19th
5: and uh, no one knows that evening who the final uh, top two or three are. And of course, there are prizes involved. The first place. Uh, winner. for so one of the prizes would be a professional recording session that will be local. Uh, we'll announce where it's actually going to be coming soon. Um, and then there are other prizes with tickets to a suite in the arena and dinner at Ruth's Chris and just some really great prizes. So it's it's worthwhile getting involved. And so I will also say, you know, sponsors are so much needed and important to uh, the success of it. So if anyone wants to be any kind of a level of sponsor, please reach out within that website, luzerncasa.org
3: slash We would love to share our different sponsor levels and try to get you on board as well. Okay. Now you, I know this one. I know this one. You're putting on your conductor hat and I can't believe it's finally back. How long has it been since the rotary had their steam train excursion to Jim Thorpe from Mountaintop?
5: Uh, 2019, because we, again, took two years off for the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. And now it's happening again. I can't wait. (laughs) Yep. Bringing it back this summer, July 9th. Again, uh, it'll be the same as it has been in previous years, leaving from a mountaintop. The old steam engine, the 425, leaving from uh, the railroad here in Mountaintop and heading down through the beautiful Lehigh Valley Gorge for about an hour and a half ride uh, into old historic Jim Thorpe. A day down there, and uh, then head back at the end of the day and
3: come back to mountaintop again. It's a really fun day, and you have to do it this year, Paula. We're looking forward to having you on board. I had a blast when I did it before, <laughs> and anybody who hasn't done it really needs to do it at least once because the scenery is spectacular. Riding oh. the train is wonderful, and of course, it benefits the rotary. The Tell rotary us about Club. that. Yeah. Yes.
5: Yes, proceeds go to the Rotary Club. This is a fundraiser for us with the proceeds going back into the community in so many different ways. We support a lot of the projects at our schools, our school districts with, you know, meals in the backpack programs, uh, giving out books and dictionaries to students. We help out our fire departments, our police departments, uh, you know, food bank, just so many things. There's many great needs here in the community and this helps us to keep getting back into the area
3: where it's needed. What Rotary is this? Rotary Club of Mountaintop. Tickets are already on sale for July 9th, and that means it's going to happen. Woo! Exactly. And there are three different ways to obtain the tickets.
5: One, if you want to buy them in person, we have them on sale on weekdays between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. at the Century 21 Smith Oregon Group office, the Mountaintop office at 69 North Mountain Boulevard. That's in person. You can also mail a check to the Rotary Club of Mountaintop, P.O. Box 244 Mountaintop, Pennsylvania 18707. And then once we receive your check, your tickets will be at the will call table at the train yard that morning, as well as online sales at Eventbrite. So you would go to Eventbrite and just type in Rotary uh, Steam Train Excursion, and you can purchase your tickets online. Once again, the actual ticket to board the train will be waiting for you at the train yard at our roll call table. And how much are tickets? $70 per person. Everyone needs a ticket to get on, no matter what the age would be. That price is set by the train company. We don't have control over that. We can sell up to 620 tickets. That would be nine train cars uh, behind this beautiful
3: steam engine. Wow. That's a lot of train cars and a lot of tickets. <laughs> so now that you have changed your hats and your hair still looks perfect, I have to say. So oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning. You have all your information in front of you, Michelle. And tell mm-hmm. us from Superstar <laughs> to Nipa Sings to Rotary Train steam excursion. I'm turning it over to you. Okay, here we
5: go. So we have bringing back the Jesus Christ Superstar all female cast at the Phoenix Theater in Durie, April 8th, 9th, and 10th this year. Then after that, we've got Nepa Sings, again fundraiser for Casa of Luzerne County. Auditions will be held April 23rd, final taping May 19th, and the show date will be June. 16th. And don't forget the audition deadline for Nipissing is April 15th. That's so you can uh, be in for our April 23rd auditions again in person at the Think Center, South Main Street, wilkes Then we have the train, July 9th again, taking off in Mountaintop, heading to Jim Thorpe and bringing you right back into Mountaintop at the end of the day tickets are $70 each and these can be purchased online at eventbrite or in person at the Century 21 Smith Oregon Group office here in Mountaintop or by mailing a check to our PO box Rotary Club of Mountaintop PO box 244 Mountaintop Pennsylvania 18707 all those online or mail tickets would be at the will call table when you get to the train excursion itself
3: wow You wrapped everything up. You've you've planned our whole, almost our whole summer for us, Michelle. Thanks.
5: (laughs) Well, thanks for having us on today so that we can get the word out there and make all of these events a huge success. We're very excited, you know, after two years of things kind of disappearing on us to just get back to some normalcy and uh, get people out in the community to enjoy all these wonderful things.
3: It's always a pleasure to catch up with Michelle Riley and, of course, all that great information on the Mountaintop Rotary train ride to Jim Thorpe, Nipa Sings, and the all-female cast of Jesus Christ Superstar coming to the Phoenix Performing Arts Center in Duryea. What else is happening? Denise Coomer from Tracy's Hope Hospice is here. She'll have all the details of their big fundraiser that's coming in May to St. Mary's Center in Scranton. But first, we're going to be taking kids and pets to see... The Easter Bunny. Denise is here from Tracy's Hope Hospice Care and Rescue for Domestic Animals. And what's happening at Tracy's? We have a designer purse bingo coming
4: up on May 15th, and that is at St. Mary's Center in Scranton.
3: Tickets are $25 in advance, and we usually sell out. You should probably get yours soon. And the reason that we talk about this is because of the fact that you are raising money for Tracy's Hope and you take care of animals. Can you tell our listeners, give us an update on what's been going on there with the animals and the reason behind the fact that you do this big fundraiser? Yes, actually we have seven
4: animals on the premises that are elderly and they're at end of life stage. We use the money basically for vet care. We also have some in uh, foster care with families, and we support them financially as well. We do animal rights issues, although we haven't had too many at this point lately. We do hospice care. We, uh, we bring euthanization to the home of terminal pets,
3: and it's much easier that way for the, the owner and the pet. And that's something that a lot of people never like to have to think about when they have their pets. But at the same time, it does become a necessity sometimes. And you're a place to turn in order, as you said, to make that easier, not only on the pet, but also on the pet parents or as well. Right. Right. It is much easier all the way around. And I don't want everybody to think that when you're talking about Tracy's Hope that it's always, you know, at the end of life because you have so many things that are going on for pets that are puppies and kitties and in their prime. And one of them is, Denise, the Easter Bunny is coming. Oh, tell us about that. Oh, yes. The Easter Bunny is coming to Marie's diner. And she's located on
4: Macalpine Street in Duryea. And what we're doing is we're doing uh, pet photos with the Easter Bunny. And they'll also be for children with the Easter Bunny. We're going to have baskets to raffle off. We have treat bags for the dogs and uh, treat bags for the children. It's going to be
3: a fun time. That's April 2nd. Okay. So it's Saturday, April 2nd at Marie's Restaurant at McAlpine Street in Durier. And it's what, 10 until 2? Yes. I just yes. want to make sure I have it right because yes. I think I think Mia saw that open on my Facebook page and I think that my Mia would like to go to that. So I just want to make sure we're in the right place at the right time. Oh, sure. We'd love to have you. Well, I would love to be there because it's going to be a lot of fun. And once again, before I let you go again to raise money for Tracy's Hope Hospice, we want to get everybody out for the designer purse bingo. And did I also understand that there's going to be baskets there? So we always have a huge basket raffle and our baskets are well known in the area.
4: Be high end and exquisite, and I believe we're going to have forty plus
3: baskets. Uh, our grand prize is a designer purse with a thousand dollars cash in it. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and again, it's all to raise money in order to help the animals that you care for, the vet bills, the ones that you help foster. So, Denise, we want everybody to turn out to both events. So, give us the details uh, in order to get tickets. They're going to have to send a self-stamped addressed envelope to
4: Tracy's Help Rescue, 113 Foot Avenue in Duryea,
3: and we will mail the tickets back to you. Okay, and can you also get them when they come to see the Bunny? Yes, absolutely. They're going to be on sale at the Bunny Pictures Show. And when and where yes. is that again?
4: That is at Marie's
3: Dinah on McAlpine Street in Duryea. And that's from 10 to 2, April 2nd. Denise, anything else that you would like our listeners to know about Tracy's so that they can be appreciative of where all this hard-fought money is going for that they're that they're going to be using in order to get in all these great events? Well, by all means, we need the community support
4: because we're not uh, government-funded. We rely completely on donations. And uh, we always take donations of cleaning supplies and food, and that's uh, uh, 365 days of the year we take those. So, um, for more information, you can call 570-457-1625.
1: Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories.